Well, good morning, everyone. It is Friday, December the 9th, and my name is J.B. Hickson with Not By Works Ministries. Glad to have you along for the program today. It's Friday, and that means we're going to be talking to our good friend Randy, and I can't wait to hear what uh, he has to say. It has been an eventful week on many fronts. I've been in Dallas this week, and so uh, haven't uh, been able to watch the news as much as I want, but I got home late last night. Uh, after that conference there in Dallas and uh, fired up my news uh, services and boy, lots going on in the world. And as I was thinking about uh, what we're going to be talking about with Randy this morning, uh, you know, the, the Lord put a verse on my heart that I'd like to kind of springboard from and set the stage for what our program is going to be about uh, today. But before I do that, let me mention a couple of uh, quick announcements. Uh, first of all, Merry Christmas to everyone. A busy month ahead. We will continue as much as we can to do these podcasts with Randy uh, throughout the holidays, if he's willing. But uh, a lot of other travel coming up and uh, special speaking engagements. Next Tuesday, I'm speaking Colorado Free uh, at, a con- at a conference for them in, I think it's Loveland, Colorado. Uh, but Plum Creek Chapel, I'll be there in the pulpit this Sunday. So if you are in the Denver area, come see us at 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock. If you're not, you can live stream Uh, Go to notbyworks.org and click on the live stream button for more details. Uh, But looking forward to uh, a Christmas message from a non-traditional Christmas text this Sunday. So I'll just leave it at that and kind of tease you a little bit about that. But don't miss Sunday's uh, message during the worship hour at Plum Creek Chapel. Uh, We often talk on these podcasts about my latest two books, spiritoftheantichrist.org. I know many of you are familiar with them, and they are both uh, chock full of a variety of information, and we could uh, we could talk about various tidbits from those books uh, for many podcasts to come. But uh, some of you may think, well, we, we, we mention them each time. Well, that's because we get new listeners every time we do a podcast, every time we do an interview, and, and we just reach a different network and a different uh, audience. And so we always want to make people aware to go to spiritoftheantichrist.org spiritoftheantichrist.org and check out those two books. You can uh, see all of the topics that we cover uh, in them and then read the preface and order them right there uh, on the site. Uh, So with that, let me turn our attention to Proverbs chapter 9 as we talk about discernment, deception, and the signs of the times. Discernment, deception, and the signs of the times. Proverbs chapter 9 Uh, says this. If you begin in verse, I think it's verse uh, 7. Let me get there. Proverbs 9, 7. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself, and he rebukes a wicked man, only harms himself. In other words, if you're dealing with a fool, uh, it's going to be very difficult to win them over with facts and data and information. Scoffers and fools and wicked people are set in their ways usually, and it's only going to be the Spirit of God that can convict them and wake them up. So don't be discouraged as you see and sense the urgency of the hour, and I know many of our listeners are awake to all that's happening with the Great Reset and the coming One World System and the setting of the stage for that, and so they eagerly try to tell others about it, but sometimes we're met with kind of a stiff arm to the chin as people act like uh, they have no need to hear this stuff or no interest in it. But Proverbs reminds us that that's to be expected. Um, and then it, say, it goes on to say, 
do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Just again, continuing that same theme that uh, talking to fools is is often not productive uh, unless the Spirit of God intervenes. But then he says, the proverb says, rebuke a wise man and he will love you. And isn't it great when you talk to people who do have a teachable spirit and are open to the truth and are open to the facts, uh, how you can build a relationship there and ultimately uh, direct them to the word of God to help understand all that's going on. He goes on, give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. And that's what we try to do here at Not By Works. We uh, don't have all the answers. We don't claim to be perfect or uh, completely 100% accurate all the time. We are doing our best to uh, sort of validate and invalidate all of the different claims that are out there and uh, do everything through the lens of Scripture. <clears throat> and hopefully that helps you increase in your understanding. And then this little section of Proverbs closes out with, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me, your days will be multiplied and years of life will be added to you. And that's why this stuff matters. It matters because it is uh, important to know and understand the truth, to get knowledge and understanding. We do that first and foremost, above all else, through the word of God. But then we also need to pay attention to what's going on in the world. And here's why. In Paul's last letter that he wrote before he was martyred, unless he also wrote Hebrews, which he may have written Hebrews. I tend to think he did, but we really don't know according to the biblical record. But aside from the book of Hebrews, Second Timothy would be Paul's final letter that he wrote prior to his martyrdom. And in Second Timothy, he says this, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Uh, let's just stop there for a second, because I love that last part of that verse. One day, folks, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back to usher in his kingdom. And when he does, he's going to judge the living and the dead. It's called the great white throne judgment. And I hope you've trusted in Christ and are born again, because if you're not a believer, then you're going to appear before the great white throne with all unbelievers, and you will be uh, cast into the lake of fire where Satan is going to be and the beast and the false prophet and all unbelievers of all ages. And you don't have to go there. Uh, it's not uh, something that uh, it, you you cannot escape. You, you can believe the gospel and be saved, and then you will never have to come under that judgment when Christ appears at his second coming. But in light of his coming, Paul tells Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince rebuke, exhort. That word convince is an interesting word. It's uh, uh, it's obviously he's writing to Timothy as his young son uh, in the faith, but when he says convince, he's talking there about, uh, you know, being able to, uh, you know, expose. That's the, the literal uh, Greek word, uh, kind of a wooden translation would be to expose or to uh, uh, set forth or bring to the light. And so one of the preacher's jobs today is to bring things to light that are lies and that are contrary to God's word. But I think all believers can apply these same principles because of what of what Paul says next. He says in verse three, and this is where he kind of broadens his focus a bit. And he says, for the time will come when they, that's people that Timothy might be ministering to, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, 
but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. The word fables there is the Greek word muthos. It's where we get the word myth, and it is variously translated as legend or you know, tale or story. And that's what so many people <clears throat> are becoming captive to today is these blatantly false teachings, both in terms of you know, the government narrative and some of the lies that we're hearing in the mainstream media, but also within the church. Uh, discernment is absolutely critical. And, uh, you know, Paul ends that little section in Second Timothy by saying, but be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. So there you have it. Be watchful in all things. We've talked a lot about that here at Not By Works over the last few years about, um, you know, paying attention, waking up, not being asleep, those types of things. And here Paul specifically uh, commands, because uh, that's in the imperative mood there, be watchful. Uh, commands Timothy to do the same thing. So before we go to Randy, I just want to uh, elaborate for a second on this idea of fables and, you know, deception. Uh, you know, the word uh, deception or the word uh, uh, discernment is used quite a bit in Scripture, and it's because there is so much deception. And right before the section we just read in 2 Timothy 4, Paul warns us that deception is going to get worse and worse, just a couple of sentences earlier. And that's why Proverbs speaks a lot about uh, discernment. Um, you know, whoever keeps the law is discerning. He says, cry out for discernment, Proverbs 2, verse 3, and lift up your voice for understanding. Uh, a man of understanding walks uprightly. You want to know why the church is so apostate today and why so many believers have are not living out their faith if they're even saved? They're not living like Christians. It's because mm -hmm. they lack discernment and they're being swept up in that great tide of deception that is sweeping the earth. Remember, Jesus warned the first century Jewish believers that they need to be discerning. He says, you know how to discern the face of the sky and tell the weather, but you can't discern the signs of the times. And so uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, reminds us that solid food belongs to those who are of full age. In other words, he's making an analogy here between food and spiritual truth from the Word of God. And just as babies need baby food or uh, mother's milk, they don't eat solid food until they get older. Likewise, uh, only mature believers have their senses exercised to discern, there's that word again, discern both good and evil. And the word discern in the original Greek has the idea of to differentiate. And you know, Randy, when you get right down to it, that's what we're asking people to, to do today, to differentiate truth from error, deception from truth, uh, false teaching from sound doctrine. And you know, not all prophecy ministries are created equal. You know, I just came back from a conference, and uh, all of the speakers are always uh, pretty solid. It's a, it's a great conference, and I know the director, uh, Dr. Tommy Ice, always makes sure that we've got good sound uh, pre-tribulational scholars speaking. Uh, but, you know, the exhibit hall <clears throat> is open to any ministry, and 
you know, there are a lot of ministries uh, around the world today that are pretty popular when it comes to Bible prophecy, and, and many of our listeners may even watch some of them, but they're not sound because they are rejecting the doctrine of the rapture. The rapture is critical. It's the foundational piece of the puzzle. It's the next great prophetic event to which the world looks forward. And so I want to encourage our listeners, <clears throat> before we go to Randy here, that if you're following a prophecy teacher, no matter how good he or she may be or how much you enjoy the information they give, if they're not right on the rapture, let me encourage you to, to ditch them. I mean, I, I hate to be rude. I always try not to be critical of other ministries, but I've just, as I see things unfolding at you know rapidly all around us, I'm just more and more convinced and impassioned about the blessed hope, the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and how we need to look for that. And we really don't need to be giving our time and attention and resources to ministries that aren't able to, to rightly divide the Word of God. So uh, so let me just encourage you uh, to be discerning, uh, to look for the signs of the times, and uh, to run everything you hear, even what you hear on our podcast here, uh, through the grid of Scripture. But lots going on in this world, Randy. I know you've got a whole lot of updates for us. Welcome back to the program. You are, uh, I tell you what, you are such a blessing to me personally and to our listeners. We really appreciate you taking the time to give us uh, kind of your perspective on geopolitical events. And uh, we want to welcome you to the program. Well, thank you, sir. And I have to tell you what, I agree with you totally as far as some of the ministries out there today. The more research I do, the more I look into some of these items, the more I understand that there are religions, there are ministers, there are people that are speaking things that are not true. They have no understanding of what is taking place, and they're leading people down the primrose path by not giving them the facts as are available. And so what I try to do, I try to make sure everything we do on here is factual. I check recheck and check again before we discuss this stuff. And I like to keep everybody abreast because things are moving so fast in the world that unless you have a lot of time to spend, you're gonna miss a lot of things. So to begin with, I'll give you an update on Russia. Not much has been happening there in the last, oh, four or five days. Until late last night, I go to one of my favorite uh, podcasts with uh, Colonel McGregor. And all of a sudden, he has new news, none of which is good. We had talked before about the Russians, uh, the United States getting in a direct nuclear exchange. Um, I didn't see that happening, thought it was very doubtful. We're going to have to change our thinking on that now. The reason being, the attacks on the um, air bases in Russia, uh, what, five, six, seven days ago, they're now finding that the attacks took place from within Russia and that the drones that were launched were following the commercial flight paths. Now, the danger is when you have a drone following those paths, you could get an airliner shot down because the radar will not differentiate between the two items. So, you know, you've got a passenger airplane proceeding across Russia. You have a drone behind them. If the Russians, when they see it enter the airspace, from now on, if it looks questionable, they're going to shoot them down. So we are now in a position we haven't been before. They've used great constraint. 
but they're going, okay, if you want to play these games, this is what we're going to do. So do you, uh, do you think the U.S. would intervene if there was some type of a hostile shootdown? Well, this, this is a scenario that Colonel McGregor gave. He said, basically, all of the manpower they need is now located in Ukraine and in the western part of Russia. They're ready for an attack. What they're doing, they're waiting for the weather. As soon as it freezes, they're going to proceed. It, his, it's his belief that they're going to form a three-pronged attack, one going up through Belarus and down south towards Ukraine, one up from Crimea, one in from the eastern part of the Ukraine marching west. They're going to put them in between the two forces, the three forces, and they're going to destroy that entire country. Mm. They're going to let Kiev to the very end, and they're going to make an example of them. And what McGregor is concerned about is the 90,000 troops in Poland are Polish, Romanian, and American. Those are really the only three countries that have troops in there. He's worried about them trying to move in to save Kiev, at which time the uh, southern and northern parts of the Russian army will encircle them and annihilate them also. Mm. He said what he's hearing and what he's seeing, that is the most likely scenario. Well, you know, if 90,000 NATO troops are attacked, it's pretty obvious that the rest of NATO doesn't want to get involved in a ground war with Russia. We're already committed. If we do something that stupid and we move in there and we're looking like we're going to get annihilated, I wouldn't put it past our government leaders to initiate a first strike. Yeah, you know, I was like... I, sorry to interrupt, but I, I was listening to something on my drive. We had a about a 12 to 14 hour drive uh, from home from the conference in Dallas, uh, my wife, Wendy and I, and um, she, uh, she we were listening to something uh, or I was that uh, talked about how, you know, the the things are heating up so rapidly that in that in order to roll out this central bank digital currencies, which I've been studying that a lot lately in preparation for a, a message I'm giving next week, uh, that they think something significant is going to happen, and that would fit you know uh, fit well with what you're describing here from Colonel McGregor. Uh, again, we don't know this is the case. We're just trying to kind of sound the alarm and say, hey, this is a very plausible uh, scenario, right, Randy? Yes. Russia did change, uh, Mr. Putin changed their policy. They now have a first strike policy. Their policy before the day or two ago was basically, they wouldn't use nuclear weapons unless they were attacked first. He's now of the opinion after watching them attack the air bases that, hey, you know, if you're gonna gang up on us and we think there's any chance of you using a nuclear response, we will act first. So everything just moved from eh, not good to really bad. Because when you change your policy from first strike to um, retaliation upon uh, a hit by the uh, enemy, there's a big difference there. So if he gets nervous or his field commanders get nervous, they think they see something that they may not see. You could have a world war going there in 30 minutes. Unfortunately, he has all of his weapons. They're positioned at the airfields in Belarus. 
they are ready to attack. And if he has a full 600, 650,000 troops ready to go, um, the Ukrainians are down to little pods of men, plus all of their uh, mercenaries, but they're ready to strike and they're ready to strike now. So I would look some, look for something to happen by the first of the year, more than likely. And that's a dire prediction, but I think things are hot enough, something's going to happen. Yeah, it's so. definitely a powder keg. I mean, uh, you just never know. Um, we're all distracted by, you know, elections and politics and the balance of power as if the power really matters in, in Congress. Uh, by the way, uh, Randy, what, what do you call it when you keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect different results? I think that's insanity, right? Yeah, actually, no, it's it's voting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, I mean, which is, which is also also insanity. You're right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's people just don't understand uh, the, how how deeply embedded the Luciferians are in American politics and in American government. But it makes for a nice sideshow. And as long as you understand the reality about our selections and not elections, then, uh, yeah, it's kind of like watching a good movie uh, or like a WWF wrestling match. You, you know, you kind of enjoy the entertainment, but you know it's not real. But sadly, most people are still locked into the fake left-right paradigm and locked into mainstream media, Fox News or whoever, and and everybody's kind of reporting on, you know, the, the election in Georgia and this one uh, Democrat that's going to switch parties like any of that matters. And I just tell you, that's why we need discernment. That's why we need discernment uh, against deception and need to look for the signs of the times. But uh, anyway, sorry for that little rant. But uh, what else have you got? All right. Well, I saw the Kenya yesterday told all of the uh, people in their country, you can make a forty five dollar withdrawal unless you want to partake and sign up for digital currency. If you want to sign up for digital currency, then of course you have free reign to your uh, funds at this time. So even the smaller countries you wouldn't think would get involved are progressing very quickly towards that digital currency. And, you know, we're looking at the spring and I'm wondering if they're going to surprise us with something sooner than that. Um, it's definitely on their mind. They're pushing it hard. So pretty soon we're going to all get to do exactly what they tell us. But yeah, and they'll start out like they did with the vaccine with the carrot. But if the carrot doesn't work, then they'll just pull out the stick. And eventually, uh, and I believe it'll be soon, if the Lord tarries is coming, it'll certainly be in our lifetime. We will be in a situation where, uh, you know, we have a digital ID card, digital currency, and they'll be tracking uh, everything we're, we're doing. Yes, exactly. Now, for the main topic today, I chose animal mutilations. Everybody's involved in this. Everybody is worried about it. So I thought I would share with them my 40 years of experience with this stuff. And then they'll get a better idea of what is going on. So anyway, I grew up on a farm back in Milford, Nebraska. And I graduated in 1975, went to uh, college at Nebraska Westland in Lincoln. Anyway, while we were on the farm, we had all kinds of animals, horses, cattle, pigs, chickens, cats, we had everything. And so the thing is, you know, you get used to animals and you know their behavior. And then every once in a while you have some that die. And so what we would do, we would sometimes call a vet, sometimes not call a vet, have them come out and post it so we would know exactly what killed the animal. Well, I'll get into that a little bit more in a minute, but around the same time in the seventies and eighties, 
there were a lot of animal mutilations, especially cattle and horses in Nebraska and Iowa. This later on spread down to New Mexico, Colorado, many other states. But there was such a frenzy at the time in Nebraska that the National Guard told their, told their people, flying helicopters, go higher than you normally do because we're afraid you're going to be shot down by people, the farmers, because they're so worried about it. Wow. <laughs> what, well, what had happened, they, uh, there were a bunch of sightings that they saw helicopters present. Black helicopters is what they call them now. At nighttime, I don't know how you tell what color it is, but that's what they said. All kinds of flashing lights, uh, all kinds of drama for months. I believe in one day there were um, 23 mutilations. Mm. So the farmers are suffering a financial loss and it's just scaring everybody. You know, the rumors go around about satanic cults, go around about UFOs and everything else. And um, it got really interesting because this all happened just before and as I went to college in Nebraska Westland. Well, in Nebraska Westland, there was a um, uh, professor there by the name of Salter. And for some reason, he got involved because he was part of the um, biology department into investigating some of these mutilations. Well, it's very interesting because I had a professor by the name of Stottinger. He and Salter were good friends. I just happened to be at a table at lunch one day when they were discussing this. They were discussing back and forth how it could be biological, how it could be predator. Is it a cult? Is it something else? It was a very interesting conversation. Unfortunately, I didn't get to listen to all of it because I had to go to class. But I know that they were concerned about it. They were really, really trying to figure out what happened because back then they would, uh, the farmers would see orbs or triangular-shaped vehicles that were flying or helicopters, and they thought that was, they were pretty sure that's what was causing. Well, as we went along and being from the farm and stuff, I heard people over, you know, I, I hear them talking about how the animals are found. They're usually found bloated with the genitalia, soft members of the body gone like a tongue, and uh, they're split open. And where they split because of the pressure, it looks like a suture line, but it's not really a suture line. It is just simply from them expanding because of the pressure. Now, as things went on, they finally, the um, state of Iowa finally decided this was caused by Satanists. That was their conclusion. Nebraska never went that far as say Satanists or who it was, but we do know there was a National Guard helicopter directly over the site of one of the mutilations the day before it was found. Now, that kind of raises some alarm bells in my head. And I'm going, you know, this was probably 25 miles from our farm. And so it gets really, really interesting when you start thinking about that. But then not too much later, they started having these same problems down in Dulce, New Mexico, Skinwalker Ranch in Utah, and many other places. Well, Dulce being one of the most famous was one of the ones that I really looked into to see what the similarities were, what was going on, and just if we could really, you know, find out much about it. Well, we find out in Dulce, 
that the um, there was a state patrolman by the name of Gabe Valdez that was assigned to the cattle mutilations because they occurred where he was. He worked on an investigation for years in reference to his findings. There are some really strange stories about took place there. Supposedly, it was an alien Amer uh, alien soldier base, and it was right there in by the town of Dulce. Well. As Mr. Valdez is doing his investigations, he actually came upon one of the vehicles being used to mutilate the animals before it could fly off. He described it as an 80-foot tall vehicle with flashing lights. The closer he got, the further it left until it took off and he couldn't see it anymore. Now, of course, you know, out in the dark, you're out in somebody's field, you see it 80-foot vehicle in front of you that's flying, that'll make me a little nervous too. Now, what we had found out when in Nebraska, uh, I worked for a big farm insurance company and we were getting calls for cattle mutilations, cattle deaths, everything else. And so I go, okay, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing here. So they explained to me what to look for. Cattle is, some, um, cows are something that are unusual considering some of the other animals. The cattle, if they're struck by lightning, you look at their feet and you will see charring. You will see uh, them floating in a body of water if they're hit by lightning. We actually had a claim where 60 head of cattle were killed at one time from a lightning bolt. The, uh, they did a necropsy on them and found out exactly what it was. The really strange things that were happening with some of the other mutilations there was no charring or anything there. You couldn't really tell there were footprints because it had been disturbed and messed up, but there were marks around the hooves that looked like they were made from a rope being placed around each hoof to, you know, basically stop the cow and do what you need to do. There were animals that were found with potassium and magnesium on the cattle body when they did the necropsy. Well, it quickly came to the determination that more than likely somebody was using a helicopter, put the uh, ropes around the feet of the animal and lifted it straight up. When they got it off the ground, they would then insert a catheter that contained a potassium that would stop the heart. They then went ahead and inserted another catheter containing um, magnesium concentrate that would dry it out especially fast so it would look like an animal mutilation and some of them might have actually taken the parts like we had discussed before for food but some of these they could actually tell that somebody was involved in it so so when they lowered the animal back down it looked like it had been there for days yeah and they did it they they took it somewhere else so the blood and stuff wouldn't be uh, visible so um now, a couple of things here, if I can just interject to clarify uh, some things uh, for, in my mind and also for our uh, listeners. Uh, sure. First of all, in terms of the history of this, this, if you've never studied this or heard about it, this may all sound like craziness. But as I document in Chapter 10 of uh, Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2, I mean, this this is well documented, not only in the United States, but throughout the world. In fact, uh, just to give you one quick anecdote, back in 1979, they there was a, a, a public meeting 
convened, by the way, by a U.S. senator, Harrison Schmidt, a Republican from New Mexico, who is no small time senator. I mean, first of all, he's a U.S. senator. That should say something. But he also has a, had a Ph.D. in geology from Harvard, and he was a member of the Apollo 17 moon landing crew. So this guy was well credentialed, but he held a public meeting. Uh, on these mysterious animal mutilations, and he pressured the FBI to investigate. And he's quoted in the newspaper as saying, quote, either we've got a UFO situation or we've got a massive, massive conspiracy, which is enormously well-funded. So now here's my my question, though, or my, uh, I guess, uh, thought. I, I recognize that from some of the research that you've done and and now I've done as well, that the military was probably involved in some of these things, but given the scope and breadth of it, there's no way this was a any ordinary uh, military exercise. For one thing, the data just doesn't fit that. Some of the data is so paranormal that even with helicopters and wires holding up the uh, the cattle, there's no way they could have accomplished this. So I still am inclined to think that the vast majority of these uh, are demonically uh uh, you know, or of, of demonic origin. And as you kind of alluded to at the outset of this segment, um, it's not just in Nebraska. I mean, this was all over. Elbert County, uh, Colorado, uh, in my home state, is a huge hotspot for cattle mutilations. And then uh, some of our listeners may be familiar with Marley Woods in Missouri. That's another, that's another like Skinwalker Ranch type place with all kinds of paranormal activity, but it, it always includes these animal mutilations. In fact, I, I'm working off memory here, but I remember one story yeah. out of Marley Woods where a rancher was uh, walking past one of his barns and he saw his favorite horse uh, just a few feet away from the barn uh, in the pen. And uh, just literally one to two minutes later, he walked back by and the horse was gone. He went inside the barn and the bar and in the barn, this horse was there and it had literally looked like it had exploded from the inside out. And there were body uh, parts to this horse and in, inner inner parts and stuff that were hanging from the rafters. It was it was horrible. And it so disturbed this man because he never heard anything, never heard an explosion, never nothing. They couldn't figure anything out from the necropsy. And he it so disturbed him that he ended up burning down that barn because he couldn't even stand to look at the barn. It was so troubling to him. So um so so what is your I mean, I know we're all just trying to look at the same data and make sense of it through the lens of scripture, but why would the military mimic what these demonic entities are doing with regard to these animal mutilations? Well, there were a lot of different testing that's been done. Washington County, Arkansas actually took an animal, killed it, put it out in a field for three days to see how it would decompose. It decomposed with the maggots and everything that entered the cow, actually lost the genitalia, lost the tongue, etc. So we know a lot of these are predators. They're probably just normal deaths. But then it gets interesting. We get down to Dulce, New Mexico, and our uh, state patrolman is investigating all of this. And he is in touch with uh, Mr. Gomez, I believe, who was the rancher. He's the one that first noticed it and called the state patrolman. Then Mr. Benowitz got involved in this also because he was saying it can't happen. This is how it happens. The really interesting thing that took place, 
there was a gentleman from the Air Force Intelligence by the name of Richard Doty that appeared. And he struck up a conversation, he and some other agents, they fed a lot of misinformation to Mr. Benowitz and to the State Patrol. Now, I did a little research on Mr. Doty. He's a very interesting, color, um, colorful figure. Back in Roswell, after the supposed UFOs actually crashed, Mr. Doty came out after he retired, said he was in charge of that investigation, said that one of them had lived and that he had died many years later, but he had been transferred to Los Alamos. He said that basically the cattle mutilations were to remove the parts of the cattle and feed the alien they had. Hmm. Now, Mr. Doty's a very interesting person because later on, probably 10 years later when everything is happening in Dulce, he is the one who's providing misinformation to law enforcement and to the people there to discredit what they're saying. He's giving away some, some classified information stating, you know, there, we think there is a base on Dulce. We're pretty sure that there's weird things going on. And, you know, Benowitz and the State Patrol didn't know who he was or what he was doing for quite a while. Now, what I found in Dulce, New Mexico, there is an Archuleta Mesa and an Archuleta Mountain. If anybody tells you it took place on Archuleta Mesa, Stop the conversation there. They don't know what they're talking about. This stuff took place on Archuleta Mountain. Now, this seems like a, a, not a big point, but you can quickly sift through who's telling the truth and who's lying just by them telling you where it happened. I ran into this basically on the book, The uh, Dulce Base, and to a gentleman, really weird, in the dog park in Canyon City, I'm out there reading your latest book gentleman sits down across from me says what are you reading and I told him and I showed him and I left my copy with him actually <laughs> the really strange thing is he had lived in Dulce New Mexico huh. he lived there for quite a while he said when I first got into that town there was a demonic presence he had never felt anywhere else in his life he said it creeped him out everybody in town that wasn't Indian basically didn't want to live there, but they couldn't leave. He said as he was entering Dulce, he's on a motorcycle. All of a sudden, something that was really heavy hit him in the back between his shoulders, knocked him off his motorcycle. He went in the ditch. He found the bag that somebody had thrown, propelled against him or whatever. And it was a large bag full of spent um, ammo. He said it must have weighed 25 pounds because when it hit him, it knocked him off into the ditch. He couldn't hardly get up for a few minutes. So he found that. And as he's looking at that, a police officer comes up behind him, gets out of his car, walks up to him and says, are you all right? And the gentleman here in Canyon City said, the man looked like a demon to me. He said, the chills went up my spine. He said, it scared me so bad I couldn't talk. Well, the uh, police officer ascertained what was going on, and then he left. But while they were living in Dulce, they would go out. They would see all of these lights, these antennas, hear these weird noises, which is creepy in itself. But yeah. They would get large amounts of people in there. And nothing really happened. 
But one of these gentlemen, he and I believe it was his father, decided to go all the way around the mountain. There's a road there. Most of it's on private Indian property, and you're not supposed to travel it. Well, they did anyway. He said about halfway through, they saw a vehicle coming up behind him with flashing red and blue lights. Now, it's a really narrow road, and nobody ever pulled him over. But basically, they finally got to the edge of that area, left, and the vehicle went away. He said the really creepy thing is they were going by place called Redding Ranch. He looked at the ranch and there were all of these towers out in the field. Some of them be, you know, a quarter of a mile apart, some 100 yards apart. So he asked around town and he said, oh, we just use those for hunting. In the book, Dulce Base, it shows what these towers look like. These are guard towers. These are towers that you can't access unless you have a key. There, anybody that's ever hunted deer those these are not deer hunting towers right now nobody nobody will let that anybody on redding ranch so they think that there is still a military operation going on there what they found out they had used an atomic bomb um south of dulce to open up the area see if they uh could develop any oil, any water, anything like that. They thought it'd blow big gaps in there and they could determine if it was actually usable for that. Well, unfortunately, the radiation was high. They couldn't, but a lot of the cattle mutilations were done by the military at that time to scare people away. Hmm. The Air Force, the uh, CIA, NSA were all involved in this and basically they kept it going it fed misinformation so they could discredit everybody to do anything about it. And they finally found out what they were looking for. They had done some germ warfare experiments out there. They were looking for contamination in the soil, etc. And so some of this is plausible. But I went through the mutilations I could find. The predators, the Satanists, and the government covers about 89% of the mutilations. Now there's an extra 11% that cannot be identified. Now with Mr. Doty, the Air Force gentleman saying, yes, they used it for food or the Roswell alien, then admitted that there were more aliens that had been captured and were basically working with the Americans, trying to explain some of the futuristic uh, propulsion systems. Uh, weapon systems, etc. It leads you to believe, okay, now, I firmly believe these are demons. I believe once they are in a physical presence, they probably require food. When Jesus was on the earth, he ate food. So it's not a big surprise that that would be required. My biggest problem goes, what part of all of this are they lying? On one hand, they say it exists. The other hand, they say it does not exist. So then the Skinwalker Ranch comes up. And I've done a lot of research on that in about the last six months. And I want to go out there because as you watch on TV and you read about it, you see there are things there that don't make sense. In one program, there's an orb that's showing up in the sky and the cattle go bananas. They start to rampage while that orb is there. You also in another one see where there is a government airplane flying around the ranch watching what's going on. Now, I know they can identify it as a, a government airplane because I've got a, an app 
It shows me every aircraft in the world. It shows what it is, who it is, who owns it, unless they turn their transponders off. Well, when you're in commercial airspace, you don't turn your transponder off. So the one that was over Skinwalker Ranch truly was a military aircraft. Now, my question is, why are they at Skinwalker Ranch? I've also noted on these um, uh, latest mutilations that have happened in Colorado, I always check what's going on in Colorado as far as aircraft, because we have so many, we have a CIA base, we have so many um, air bases, et cetera. Nine out of 10 times, there is a military helicopter or helicopters in the area where those animals are found within 48 hours of when they're found. Now, my question is, what are they doing out there? Yeah, I mean, so we don't have any, go ahead. So yeah, let me let me jump in because wow, this is like uh, information overload, powerful stuff here. And I know if someone just tuned in, they may be thinking, first of all, where's JB? Did he die? No, I didn't. Um, and, and secondly, <laughs> what in the world's going on? So I want to just kind of give piggyback on what you're saying and give a little bit of a biblical kind of uh, rationale for all of this. A lot of people have a misunderstanding about demonic entities and only tend to think of them in terms of the spiritual uh, realm, the non-physical realm. But biblically, and, and I teach this when I taught uh, Bible college full-time for about 12 years and, and taught at the graduate and uh, baccalaureate levels, uh, I taught a class called Demonology, Angelology, and Satanology. And uh, basically, we just you know say, what does the Bible say about uh, these demons, angels, and Satan, and, and what's a biblical view of them? And so the Bible is very clear that angelic beings, which demons, of course, are fallen angels, uh, that angelic beings can take on human form. That's why the writer of Hebrews said, be careful when you're entertaining strangers, because uh, you might be entertaining uh, an angel and not know it. And we've got the angelic messengers that uh, visited uh, Lot and his house, and they clearly had physical bodies. Uh, they ate, they slept, they could engage in sexual relations. That's why the homosexual men in, uh, in uh, Sodom and Gomorrah there wanted to have these angelic beings for themselves, not realizing they were angels. Uh, you've got the Genesis 6 account when the uh, demonic uh, fallen angels came down and cohabited with women. And by the way, another interesting point is that angels always manifest as males. You never find a single reference in scripture to a female angel, which is the reason they coveted and lusted after the daughters of men, human uh, women. Uh, but anyway, I want you to imagine for a moment, because because people, when you talk about captive aliens and crashed craft and all of this and how they would have these these bodies and so forth, that's when people begin to kind of brush it aside and say, oh, that's not possible. Demons don't have physical form. Well, yes, they do. I want you to imagine for a moment if, say, that angel that uh, was uh, manifesting as a human being and, and you were just, and maybe they stopped to help you, you know, fix your tire, or maybe they were just being a blessing, a ministering servant as angels are to you in some other way. Suppose they got killed in that moment. Suppose they got hit by a car. Suppose they got shot. Would their body just disappear? Absolutely not. If they're in physical, uh, form and they die, then their, their physical body, stays trapped in this realm of time, space, and matter. So that's why it's never bothered me 
to think in terms of, and I tell a couple of uh, anecdotes about this in the in volume two, chapters nine and ten, the one about uh, Richard Nixon and Jackie Gleason. Those kind of stories, I'm not saying they're true. Uh, I happen to believe that one is true because uh, a lot of uh, you know secondary evidence of it, and and Jackie Gleason on his deathbed admitted it. But uh, you'll have to buy the book to read that story. But I happen to you know I don't get troubled by those stories because it it fits with the theological data. It's possible for demons and angels to be trapped in time, space, and matter. And that's, I think, what's happening as this cosmic battle and spiritual warfare is taking place in the heavenlies. And as much as things are heating up on earth right now and, and seem to be falling apart on so many fronts in terms of this new world order uh, drive to usher in the one world system, uh, that just means it's heating up in the heavenlies even more. And it's going to spill over from time to time. And we're going to see uh, glimpses of it. And, you know, one last uh, comment I, I wrote down here while you were talking, uh, you know, these paranormal experiences at Skinwalker Ranch and uh, some of those other places uh, like Marley Woods or Elbert County or down in Sedona, um, it's just a, 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 con, a recurring theme that you see come up a lot is anytime you disturb the dirt, you know, like they'll bring in a backhoe to do some digging to build a new building or something. It just seems like it causes a, a, a flare up of these orbs and other cattle mutilations and things like that. Um, I'd love to go with you sometime to Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, uh, I, I hope you don't mind if I tell our listeners the story. You actually had an invitation from Brandon Fugel, the current owner. Remember, uh, the original owners, at least that once the this paranormal activity started uh, being reported, were the Shermans. And then Robert Bigelow bought it and had it for 10 years, the famous billionaire. And then now Brandon Fugel has it, and he's the one that has the TV show. I think it's on the History Channel. But uh, you sent him a copy of my book, Brandon Fugel. Uh, I think it was volume one. And uh, he read it. And because I had made some comments in there about how you know the, the the reality behind the mormon church he he rescinded his invitation so he didn't get to go but anyway lord willing i'd love to make a visit down there sometime or to dulce new mexico either one well i think we should make a tour because i'd like to see how they're connected yeah I mean, it's so weird that there's so much about these two and a lot of the other things that have happened there isn't much about it at all but when you stop and look at it like i've said before i was a total cynic and skeptical of any of this stuff just six months ago. But the more I research it and I listen to some of the hard facts, some of the scientific facts, some of the people that are being interviewed, there's gotta be something there. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, but I think we're going into a supernatural phase where more is going to be occurring and we better, better understand what is demonic and what is not, because otherwise we're gonna be led down the primrose path and people aren't going to know what to believe at all. Yeah, and you've got some other sources that are in defense intelligence and, and other places uh, that, uh, you know, I know you can't divulge everything they tell you, but, uh, you know, that, that have corroborated a lot of this, that the government is aware that there is some type of phenomena, they call it unidentified aerial phenomena, UAP, 
that is uh, that goes way beyond just the traditional UFOs. Everybody now for the last five years knows all about UFOs. The government's come out and admitted they've, they've been tracking them for decades. Uh, you know, the New York Times broke the story back in 2017. There have been congressional hearings about it. Mainstream news is covering it all the time. Tucker Carlson talks about it almost every night. So everybody understands kind of the UFO component. But there's more to to the UAP, unidentified aerial phenomena, than just your sort of nuts and bolts uh, uh, flying saucers. There's uh, there are these orbs. There are other strange phenomena, and then it all kind of comes together with things on the ground, like animal mutilations and uh, cryptids and shapeshifters and those types of things. And to me. As I understand scripture and the spirit of the Antichrist being on the rise today, uh, I see all of this as more evidence that the spiritual warfare that is raging in the unseen realm is is heating up. And uh, I think th this is a sign of the times, don't you? No, definitely. Just the other day, I was put on to a uh, case that happened in Nebraska and Wyoming where a gentleman had a fight with his in-laws. And he's, he basically is walking away and he's disappeared. They don't know where he went. And that was three years ago. Hmm. So I'm going to be going down there in the next week or two because I want to check into the investigation, check into what happened. Because when you uh, do your research, nothing makes sense. I mean, it's a 25-year-old guy. He's in really good health. He's just basically got mad at his wife, walked away from the car. And three years later, they still don't know where he is. So, I mean, there are so many things that go on. We hear about people that are abducted by aliens and their body ends up in the same spot a year later. And it's like, what's going on? Something's yeah. going on. Yeah. So in, in chapter 10 of, of volume two of Spirit of the Antichrist. And remember, folks, uh, if you're not familiar with the books, you can check out spiritoftheantichrist.org, spiritoftheantichrist.org. But in chapter 10 of volume two, uh, I talk about strange disappearances. And interestingly, that you should bring that up because this week in Dallas, I got to connect with a lot of people that come to that conference and a lot of friends and people that I know in the area. Remember, my wife, Wendy, and I lived in Dallas for three years while I was in seminary. And uh, so we have a lot of contacts in, in that area. And even people that didn't go to the conference came over to the hotel where the conference was being held to, to say hello. But one of them is someone who had firsthand knowledge of an, an account of a strange disappearance that I talk about in the book. And he had read the book and he he added a little bit more to the story that, that I didn't know about. And this is, I'm talking here about the, the case of Joe Keller, which again, I, I detail in chapter 10, but uh, mm -hmm. he knows the family. And he said that the, the, that Joe's, uh, uh, and by the way, Joe was similar age to this one you're talking about. Joe was, uh, he disappeared in uh, 2015, just one day before his 19th birthday. And it, it meets all the criteria of one of these strange uh, disappearances. But anyway, uh, they found, they eventually found the body a year later in a place that had, had been searched, or at least part, you know, nearby had been searched. But uh, my friend was telling me that the mother always kind of had this sense of foul play she just didn't accept the official coroner's explanation which was that he fell off of a, a cliff and uh suffered from a you know head injury so 
they're just they're these types of things. Uh, I mean, you never know. Obviously, not everything is part of a conspiracy. Sometimes things happen. Sometimes people do get lost or disappear. But, you know, when you look at the facts, these disappearances, something else has to be going on. They just they can't be explained any other way but paranormal. I agree. When you when you look, it's, it's interesting that the case I'm looking at is so similar to the one you just spoke about. I mean, what is the chance of a 25 year old man? Walking down the street, he's showing on, on video, and all of a sudden he's gone. I mean, th that stuff just doesn't happen mm -hmm. without a reason. And you would think with all of the law enforcement, with everybody searching for the body, all of this other stuff, you would figure out in three years what happened. So it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be um, definitely a little bit out of what I usually look into, but might make for an interesting conversation sometime in the future on a Friday. You bet. Well, Randy, this has been fascinating as always. I hope it uh, really, uh, you know, kind of wakes some people up to the reality of the unseen realm. Um, uh, and, uh, and I hope it drives you to the word of God uh, because uh, Ephesians 6 makes it clear that our battle is not against flesh and blood. And we need to recognize that, you know, it's not about, Democrats versus Republicans or progressives versus conservatives or the woke culture. All of those things are manifestations of a battle that originated in the heavenlies when Satan tried to usurp God's throne, has now made its way to the earth for the last 6,000 years and is raging as Satan seeks to have his man of the hour, the Antichrist, take the throne and rule this uh, world uh, in a, a satanic tyranny. So uh, be aware of the of the spiritual realm, but the answer is pretty simple. Uh, we need to remember that greater is he who is in us th than he who is in the world. In fact, you know, the whole premise for this two-volume series, Spirit of the Antichrist, is 1 John 4, 3, which tells us the Spirit of the Antichrist is already at work among us. The very next verse, John tells us, Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So, Randy, thanks for the, the great intel, the great information. We will definitely connect uh, next week. Um, we're going to be on the road again, but we'll uh, do it from a hotel room or something. I'll, I'll reach out to you. We'll uh, have our regular uh, podcast. But uh, to all of our listeners, we want to say uh, once again, Merry Christmas. Uh, stay tuned in. Lots more to come. Several interviews coming in the next uh, few weeks. And I'll have our regular podcasts with Randy uh, again, uh, our regular podcast next week. So, Randy, thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure, sir. And a Merry Christmas to you. All right. God bless. Well, take care, everyone. Remember, stay in the word and reach out to us if we can ever help with anything. Uh, we're still taking uh, appointments for our Zoom meetings. If you'd like to have me join your uh, small group meeting or Bible study or church or whatever by Zoom, I'd be happy to uh uh, you know, to do that and uh, just let us know. We'll put something on the calendar and I'll take your questions. Uh, but other than that, have a great uh, rest of the weekend and uh, God bless you. And thanks so much for listening.